The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 11. Going to talk about some home run to barrel percentage outliers, some recent news, which is usually never good news, and uh, much, much more to get you ready for the weekend in fantasy as well. We've got a little game to play to continue on from last week and much, much more fun to do so. First off, you can follow myself on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, man? Doing great tonight, Bubba. Um, got a actually pretty like underrated sports weekend this weekend mm-hmm. with with Father's Day, U.S. Open, College World Series in Omaha, a uh, full MLB slate. Looks like we won't have a, a game seven as the Warriors just wrapped up game six here as we're recording. But pretty underrated weekend uh, sports wise. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, before I guess we get into the fantasy baseball people, we will talk plenty. You mentioned it. What do you think of day one of the U.S. Open? It's funny. The first, the first when I turned it on this morning, the first shot I saw was McElroy in the fairway bunker, 
hitting it 10 feet and then pounding his club into the sand twice. And I was like, this is us open. Yep. Going full Sergio uh, on the place. So it was great. Exactly. But, um, yeah, it, no, it was, it was a good watch. It was a little wind kicked up a little bit afternoon. Uh, didn't have like the vintage us open there. Were, I, I, I always like to see like one under two under win it. I don't think that's going to happen this year. There's a bunch of guys three under, I think the leaders four under. So, um, yeah. we'd like to see a little bit harder, a little bit higher rough. But but it was it's I, still. I think watch. it's going to get tougher because uh, some of the guys that were there like uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, they were talking to some of the groundskeepers that were trying to keep it wet to start the week before it completely dries out. So I think it's going to get fun the next uh, couple of days as it as it gets windier and dries out some more. We might uh, get some backwards uh, numbers coming up there. So we'll see. It's always there's always carnage like you said, and there was enough of it. Like there were some dudes that Phil finished like seven over or something. Uh, Brooksy wasn't doing too hot. It's some of the big names were struggling, but then there's like the, the leaderboard always makes me laugh. Like David Lingmurth, uh, Nee Smith, like all these, like um, there's an amateur up there. Qualified guys, amateurs. Yeah, you wouldn't expect to be up there, but we'll see if they can do it for four days. That's the fun part of it all. I will uh, say, speaking good. of Phil, it was that was the most relatable moment when I think he three putted from like less than 10 feet. And yeah. I've been there. Yeah, we, Plenty of times. we all have we all have that's why i have my shirt three putting sucks yeah. um so it's uh it's it's fun to watch but we'll uh we won't make this a whole u.s open show for everybody because ryan and i could talk golf for quite a while but uh we'll talk some fancy baseball and let's kick it off with what took place this evening on thursday night as we're recording the mets played the brewers and it was an awesome matchup between tyler mcgill and aaron ashby at least it started out that way uh tyler mcgill left he threw one he threw a pitch and cringed and called for the trainer and it was not good. They're calling it shoulder discomfort, but uh, it looked, yeah, not good. It's the best way I can say it. So we we don't have all the info. We'll find out more on Friday. But initial thoughts, Mr. Bloomfield. Just unfortunate and maybe just seems like he rushed back too soon. I mean, McGill did look really good the first. I think he had four strikeouts. I watched the beginning of it. Had four strikeouts through two innings, touching or not touching, really sitting 97. And was like, all right, he's kind of, he's back. And the, the first start was like three innings and kind of a ramp up start last time out. And then it just all fell apart today. It's, uh, I mean, we'll see what well, kind of the somewhat good news is we've got a few days to see what the prognosis is, but I would expect a lengthy absence just because of the like cringe. Like you said, when he threw that last pitch, it was a 92 mile an hour fastball. So like well below from what we've seen from him. And then just given the uh, kind of the, the biceps, like I think there's just something going on. Um, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate because he's when, when McGill is on, he is, he is Siler. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I've, I've got McGill on a bunch of teams and I'm going to wait to see what the, what the, what the update is this weekend, but I'm not expecting good news at all. Just from what I saw tonight. Yeah. I was super pumped to put him in my lineups this week. I'm like, he's back. This is great. And then yeah. um, this is, this might turn into a drop territory. If we yep. get the news, I, I'm, I'm really, like you said, I think it's going to be a lengthy absence and this is going to be a rough one to, to look at. Obviously people listening a drop in a league, you don't have IL options. So um, we'll, we'll see how that one takes place on the flip side. And Aaron Ashby, uh, he left early, and he was looking pretty good, too. He left with forearm discomfort, which is usually a, a precursor to bad things. But um, they did say they took him out precautionary. So it was like they're trying to prevent the problem. We'll see. What are your takes on this one? Yeah, like the forearm tightness, you always kind of cringe when you hear that. But the post-game report sounded 
optimistic. I don't know how uh, rooted in actual fact and evidence that optimism is rooted in, but um, they're saying he might make his next start. And that, I mean, for Milwaukee, that would be huge just because with Peralta out for a while uh, with Lauer kind of going, coming back to earth, Burns is Burns and then Woodruff's making his way back. Um, Milwaukee's getting pretty thin and Ashby's kind of hitting his stride at that huge 12 strikeout game and, and pretty entrenched in the rotation. So um, even if the prognosis is good and he makes that next start, like it's still, you never want to see forearm tightness, especially from Ashby where like, I think volume is going to be a question with him in the second half. Um, I just wonder how long and how effective he'll be as we go uh, deeper in that volume. Um, stretches up on him because i mean last year only had 32 innings and in the majors and was kind of that hybrid guy had started four games but had 13 um, overall games so volume is an issue with ashby so i'm kind of concerned especially with obviously the forearm tightness like i do wonder how long this uh this pretty good run that he's been on will last and the brewers man ashby peralta's out for a long time woodruff's battling his injuries i think the Um, twins look good yeah, it's like this team was loaded with one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, looking like they're going to waltz through the NL Central potentially. And now the Cardinals got to be feeling pretty good about life. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how that one plays out. As you mentioned, Ozzy Albies, fractured uh, foot, I believe, or hand, foot, foot. He's out uh, onto the 60-day IL, which is not good, obviously. Um, Orlando Arcia has come into play. He's hit safely in all three games with a couple home runs. He's been actually pretty darn productive. So he could be an option on the waiver wire this week. But um, are you dropping Ozzy Albies in non-IL formats? I think I am. And actually, this was a question on the uh, Tout Wars. Yeah, Tout tout Table this week where it's like I I think Albies was one of the like five Peralta Tatis, which I guess we'll talk about here in a sec, uh, is, is would you drop these guys? And I think Albies is a drop. Um, it's just, I mean, 60-day IL is automatically two months, and so that just means at minimum he's out until mid-August. Um, it's just too far into the season to hold, and will he even be back mid-August? We, we don't know. Like it, It's definitely a sign to immediately go on the 60-day IL. Like If there was any um, hint that it could be earlier than mid-August, they wouldn't do that. Um, so just the immediate 60-day IL is is tough. And I do <laughs> kind of feel like I'm going back to 2015, 2016 here with the Orlando Arcia fill-in. Um, like you said, actually, you know, somewhat productive so far. And I think he's going to play. I mean, he's playing every day. I mean, he is the guy at second base now with Albies out. He's hitting eighth in the order, but that's still a pretty good lineup. And I'm we're only in 66 plate appearances a season, but um, – RC has got a 13% barrel rate, 95 mile an hour exit velocity, 12% walk rate, 21% K rate, like good plate skills, hitting the ball hard, at least while he's hot right now. I think he's, uh, I think he's a pickup in 15 teamers, probably not 12s yet, but uh, um, yeah, kind of a blast from the past name. Who's actually been pretty productive. We'll see if he runs, but, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Definitely a 15 team guy. 12s be interesting, but we said the same thing about Brandon Drury at one point in time, and then here comes you know it's been it's been quite productive ever since then. So, uh, Arcia could be an interesting one if you're if you're feeling the injury bug, which a lot of people are right now. So keep him on your radar and run. Like you said, it's a good team, good offense to be in. So very very productive, and uh, they are on fire. That team, the Braves are on fire. Like Thirteen in a row right now, and they're doing it with ease. It feels like they're they're winning pretty handily. So 
keep that one on your radar. Fernando Tatis Jr., we, I think we hinted at it last episode. They were supposed to, like on Friday, we were supposed to get his MRI or whatever. It came out a couple days later. Not good. They're not happy with what they're seeing. The healing's been bad. So they've already pushed his timetable back. The fact they said they pushed it back, but there was no what they pushed it back to, that makes me even more concerned with Fernando. Like they could have said, okay, it's like two weeks. No, it's nothing. Like they just said, we're pushing it back. So uh, he's out for a while. If you've held him this long, it's almost like you kind of have to, it feels like. But uh, this is the risk you took drafting Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Because I think if you're, you got him, you're just stuck right now. Got him. You're stuck. It's. I mean, it's. It's. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend with in NFBC, where um, you know people do need to make that decision, where they knew drafting Tatis, especially everyone that drafted later on in draft season, you were going to pay for a half season, and the draft price made sense. Like he was going, I don't know, tenth, twelfth round, like. It made sense if if you can get by that first half of the year with a stash, maybe a second one if you had to. Now, like, uh, I don't have Tatis anywhere, but, like, I would be very tempted to drop him this weekend just because there is absolutely no timetable at this point. And I know, like, you've held on to him this long, but that can't – that cannot factor into your – decision making like a sunk cost is a sunk cost and i mean every team's different depends how many other injuries you have if you're lucky enough where tatis is like one of two injuries on your team maybe hold out a little bit longer but i think people are gonna start cutting bait uh starting this weekend in fab i just without a timetable with injuries mounting up it, it just gets that much harder to hold yeah i'm with you it's tough it's like it's the risk you took which every like you said everyone mm-hmm. knew it going yeah. into it but it's like, dang, it's it's getting rough. And then when he comes back, it's a wrist injury. Those are never good. And the fact it's not healing properly. There's so many check marks of concerns with this situation that makes it uh, very, very challenging. And it stinks. But that was the risk you took. And I'd be cutting bait too, probably because it's uh it's difficult right now. The the they used to be red suitcases. Now they're just you know ILs next to them, and they're they're mounting in big big ways, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the, just real quick, like, I mean, to play devil's advocate too. Like, I mean, Tatis is one of the guys, and who can just, you know, flip of a yeah. script. Just he could roll out of bed and be amazing the last, you know, six weeks of the season. It's not like a starting pitcher where you're gonna have to ramp up and you're going three, four innings, that sort of thing. Like, he could go kind of balls to the wall right when True. he gets back. And I mean, that 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 is the appeal of holding him. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 a very tricky. Very tricky situation this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Pena, one of the uh, potential AL rookies of the year at one point in time, goes to the 10-day IL for the Astros with left thumb discomfort. And that's all they're telling us. They sent him back to Houston to get more tests. Uh, They haven't told us anything else since then. And um, you want to talk blast from the past, Ryan. Aledemus Diaz is playing shortstop right now on a very good offense yet again. So... It's like, boy, do you want Arcia? Do you want a Diaz? I probably want Arcia, but Diaz in a 15 playing every day is going to have some longevity. And you're you're an AL tout. Like, all of a sudden, you have a guy that might play every day. This becomes interesting for a guy like yourself. Oh, he does. I actually need to check to see if he's available in <laughs> AL tout um, just because anyone with a pulse, especially in that lineup, is, is roster worthy. Let's see. No, he's already taken an AL tout because, of course, of course it's a... Tw- it's a 12 team AL and Chris Blessing has him and got him Diaz for a dollar. So even Aledemus Diaz is not available in Tau Or's AL. That is depressing. Um to go back to yeah, the blast from the past name. And like I think I think one of the decisions 
you know, listener going to have to make this weekend is like, if you're filling out that middle infield, Diaz versus Arcia, I would, I'm with you, Bubba. Like I would absolutely take Arcia um, over Diaz. The only thing with Diaz is just like, he's just one of those guys who just puts the ball in play kind of like a Abraham Toro last year before he got traded to the Mariners. Someone, you know, not a lot of pop hasn't stolen a base since 2019, but will put the ball in play and play every day in a good lineup. Um, so that at least nets you maybe two and a half, three categories and 15 teamers. Uh, but I wouldn't expect any kind of breakout or anything like that from DS. I, I, again, would, would probably have them on my, my waterfall this weekend and in a middle infield standpoint, but pretty low on my, my list and definitely behind Arcia. Yeah, I'm with you. He's not, uh, he's not one of my priorities, but again, waterfall, you want to make sure you walk away with somebody that can play for you. Yep. So he's definitely an option in that scenario. Um, let's talk about their middle infield situation here. Nick Madrigal goes to the IL for the Cubs with a groin injury that they're reporting is very serious. So that's going to be a little while. So looky here, Ryan, we have another avenue to playing time for Jonathan VR. Our boy, mascot of the podcast. <laughs> yep. Actually, no, probably Bur- John Birdie probably is. Birdie VR's, might be VR's now because that, that's working out pretty well. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, like. Then this, I mean, this is what we've been saying with VR is you know, VR is back after the, uh, the, the, whatever weight training, stretchy band to the face, uh, thing has started the last five days, um, between second and third base. So like VR is going to play, I mean, the, the actual like guy who steps in at second base sometimes might be Andrelton Simmons, but we've all been there and we all know who Andrelton Simmons is as a fantasy asset. Um, like you said, going to be a lengthy absence. So Simmons is going to get some run. But again, it's just one more avenue for VR to uh, to start racking up those bags. Um, so if if his owner, his manager dropped VR because of the IL stint, I would absolutely be aggressive. I feel like I say this every week, but be aggressive with VR, um, especially if you need bags and probably do if you don't have John Birdie. Yeah, potential game changer stuff there with with VR. So make sure you make that one happen. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, who was one of the you know talk of the town a couple of weeks back, everyone was going to to add him on Fab. Well, it's kind of been a, a rough ride since then. Now he goes to the IL with a hamstring injury, retroactive. So they're hoping it's not too bad. It sounds like, but uh, the Rays are going to pretty much bullpen this situation until it's back. Um, thoughts on Drew Rasmussen? was like probably my biggest regret in my main event. I tweeted this out a couple of times, but Rasmussen was a free agent in my main, um, like after he was already kind of good. And I lost out 234 to 232. I was the backup at 232 and absolutely regretted it when Rasmussen was on his, his stretch. He had, let's see, six games in a row of one earned run or less and had wins in looks like four of those six. So like a heck of a run, but recently three earned runs, May 25th, five earned runs at Texas on May 30th, four earned runs at Minnesota June 10th. So like, I don't know if this is, I say it's hamstring. So like not arm related and maybe just he'll, he needs some time off and he'll come back. But um, yeah, it is kind of interesting how Rasmussen has not been the Rasmussen that we thought this past uh, few months or, or a few starts, at least the, 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 the fill-ins, like you said, bullpen game, I think Rasmussen was supposed to start on Thursday and it was Jalen Beeks for like two innings and Whistler and, and all those guys. Um, I saw like Tampa recalled Ralph Garza, who 
is that is that Matt is that the Garza, Matt Garza. exactly that's what I'm thinking first thought in my head I was like is this a descendant I don't I don't I don't know I know nothing about him I just saw that they recalled Ralph Garza and I was like wow I've not heard that name in a while um but no fantasy relevance wise like I don't know if I don't know if Tampa especially even in the high minors has like a a starter of Phil just keep kind of going bullpen games while Rasmussen's out for these next couple of weeks. We'll see. Yeah, that's what it feels like they're going to do because that's what uh, Tampa Bay does best. Uh, the Boston Red Sox recalled Jaron Duran. It feels like he's going to be the Edward Oliveris of this of this season. Uh, he got called up when Christian Arroyo went on the uh, COVID IL. Last time he got called up was when Jackie Bradley was on the paternity list. Um, Duran let off again. Every time he comes up, he pretty much leads off. They put him right at the top of the order. Yeah, he's playing pretty darn good in AAA, six homers, 11 stolen bases, hitting 305. Really not much left to prove at AAA. It just feels like he's not getting a steady run in the bigs this season. Um, with the idea that he's probably, he might just go back down when Arroyo comes back, how do you feel heading into Fab this week, Duran? who if he sticks and leads off, it's pretty awesome, but it just doesn't feel like they're ready to keep him there. Yeah, it's frustrating. That's a great comp is the Edward Oliveris comp as as long as for as for as many times, I think it's like five times that they can send him down now in the new CBA. Um, it's frustrating because you like you said, he's either leading off for one of the best lineups in baseball the last few weeks or he's in triple A. And in terms of like Fab this weekend with Duran, I'm going to be very tepid in my building bidding because I think that's that roller coaster is just going to keep going so there's christian arroyo but there's also kike hernandez who is on the rebound and probably slots right back into center field which is where duran has been playing these last two games so like once kike's back i don't i mean he should play over like jackie bradley in boston's outfield um but i don't know if boston will will do that i can see duran getting sent back down this time next week um, if everyone comes back healthy from the IL. So it's going to be frustrating. Like I'm going to be, like I said, very tepid in the bidding just because I don't, I, I believe in the skills. I don't believe in the long-term playing time right now for Duran, which kind of sucks because he's been yeah, good. I'm hundred percent with you on that. And that's the, uh, the, the struggle bus there. He's been really good and we all loved him last year. People were very aggressive on trying to pick him up. And now it's uh, it's the same problem all over again. It was this time last week or the week before we were all excited about Edward Cabrera and his two start coming up and going on the fab and all the great stuff. And his first start was really, really good. And his second start was not that great. And now he's on the IL with right elbow tendonitis, which does not make you feel warm and fuzzy at all. So uh, to me, it's just move on from Mr. Edward Cabrera. But do you have any other thoughts on this situation with the Marlins? Um, I mean, I'd probably at least in like an NFBC and a 15 teamer hold and just see like how serious that this is at the time we're recording. We don't really know. Like you said, it's just kind of tendonitis. Um, so I think you hold for a little bit, see what happens in terms of like his replacement. It's, it's Daniel Castano who has not really done much. Um, triple I'm not that excited about. He's one of the, actually one of the guys when we do our weekly streamers, he was the one who came up. For pitching in that in that wasteland which we'll get to in yes. a little bit but um but not too much I, I i would hold on cabrera you likely spent a good chunk of coin on him and fab and you at least want to see that through and see what happens but yeah certainly not great news and i know miami's going to be uh treating him with kid gloves if there's any any kind of issue um they're going to play the long game with cabrera as they should uh kids uh, kids a great talent and they want to be in for the long haul 
Yeah, it's, it'd be great if it's a short-term thing because he is very talented and they need the pitching, as you mentioned. So I guess, yeah, wait and see. But come Sunday, if I have no new news, I'm probably moving on. But again, I do a lot more 12s and 15s. So 12s, it's yeah, time 12s, to, yeah, to move. I, th- I think you're right in 12s. I probably so, would move on too. It's going to be an interesting situation there. Well, stop me if you've heard this before. Steven Strasburg back to the IL. This sucks because he just came back after ramping back up and missing so much time for another injury. And he has a like a stress reaction in his ribs, which he's had before. And this is just not good at all. Uh, people spend a lot of money to pick him up, too, before this last start. And it feels like he's going to be out for some time. So this is not good for one Steven Strasburg, Ryan. I was one of the ones who kind of fell in the trap and we talked about his first start like down at 92, but we were like, Oh, it's, it's his first time back. Let him ramp up. Maybe we'll get back to 94, 95 kind of a thing. And then, and then this, um, no timetable. Like I, I think Strasburg is, is a drop like this all kind of relates to and goes back to thoracic outlet syndrome, which is just such a like, not impossible, but such a difficult injury to come back from and be effective. And obviously, Strasburg has had other health issues throughout his career. He's at an age where um, um, he's not exactly a spry chicken anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's a drop just because there's there's no timetable. I don't know how long he's going to go when he when he comes back. If he comes back, it's uh, it's brutal. Strasburg, absolutely. I know people. You know, I'm glad people get paid in the contract and that sort of thing, but he absolutely peaked at the right time with that 2019 contract coming off the World Series. So, yeah, yeah, he he peaked, he got paid, uh, good for him. But yeah, it's 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 yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's another rough rough go there. We don't need to talk about that one. I uh, that was one I butchered in a big big way. Um, you actually had uh, I think seven unearned runs tonight. Yeah, yeah, they scored <laughs> nine runs, two Corbin. earned. Two earned. He did give up two earned at the end. Yeah, two of the, well, two of the nine runs were earned. So yeah, seven unearned runs is pretty, pretty darn impressive, all things considered. So yeah, that's uh, I guess it doesn't kill your uh, your ratios. Let's put that. At least your ERA. Uh, we'll see what that does. Uh, this one sucked. Didn't want to bring it up, but I guess we have to. Nate Eovaldi goes to the oh. IL. He's sore, but every report it's back inflammation. Every report saying minimum length most likely so let's cross our fingers on this one but um yeah this is this sucks really sucks right it it i mean in all honesty like i've been probably the most or one of the most outspoken of all the guys in the in the industry these last couple years and i mean to be quite honest like have been very lucky with the stretch of good health that um, Evaldi has had recently. Cause I mean, we, we kind of forget, but in True. 2016 had an elbow injury, 2018 um, right elbow injury, 2019 elbow surgery, 2020 was a calf um, and has been pretty scot-free since then. So uh, kind of playing with house money on Evaldi um, the last, uh, the last few weeks um, sounds like it's, you know, I don't know. Um, Backs can always come back to bite uh-huh. you later on. So we'll see. Uh, but I will take them at their word. I mean, he's penciled in to start next week for Boston. So um, sounds like that's a go. You just kind of hope and pray that uh, he looks good in that outing. And and this is all just kind of a precautionary thing, which is what they're Let's saying. So. But, uh, yep. but we'll see. Let's hope so for all of our sakes, because I have a lot of Evaldi as well. So let's uh, 
let's please make that happen in a big, big way. Uh, Walker Bueller, everybody. This one, um, like, I was kind of half joking when I kept saying Walker Bueller's broken. Like, what's wrong with him for like the last three starts? I even wrote an article that said you should sell low on Walker Bueller. Did not plan for this to happen by any means, but they're shutting him down from throwing for six to eight weeks with a flexor strain, which means two months with no throwing potentially. Then you have to ramp him back up. There's a good chance he misses like three months of baseball. We don't see him until September. They're going to make the playoffs. They have no reason to rush him back. They want him for October. This is a bad deal, and it's like time to cut bait. I saw Vlad cut him over the weekend. Like, it's – see ya. See ya, Bueller. He's a pretty pretty easy cut yeah. at this point just because, I mean, like all the reasons that you mentioned, plus he just hasn't even really been that great this year anyway. So, um, I mean, it opens up a spot in L.A.'s rotation. I guess the timing's okay because, uh, oh, boy, Heaney's coming back. It sounds like Andrew Heaney yeah. is – returning sunday he might start against cleveland so keep an eye out for that i don't know how long andrew heaney will be back in the rotation uh, but uh, yeah kind of the timing's right he at least slides back in and tyler anderson's safe and tony gonsolin obviously is safe with his 1.5 era or whatever he's got so um la is going to be just fine without bueller yeah. i i I, uh, I know you don't send too much sympathy bubba their yeah. way but they'll, they'll, be no, they'll, okay. they'll be they'll be more than fine the fact that uh, like you said gonsolin and his cats are doing crazy things and tyler anderson almost threw a no hitter on wednesday night like it's just it, it's uh it's it's wild is the best way they just keep doing it i call it like i was on the itl podcast on wednesday i called it dodger devil magic it's just they find a way to just make it work because that's what they do and uh, they'll be just fine i'm not worried about them at all um last bit of news and there was much more we could have talked about probably but i decided i told ryan we're cutting it off at this because there's just too much negativity in the world of injuries jacob junis went to the il with a um a groin or a hamstring strain a grade two hamstring strain which is not good. So he's going to be out for a little while. I was watching that game live, and when he moved and basically just pulled up, I thought it was almost an Achilles or something, the way he started limping. I'm like, oh, no. So I guess it's better than what it could have been, but it's not great. And he was actually pitching pretty darn good. So it's like Sammy Long time. They've been bullpenning it. It's not great because Matt Boyd's not back yet. So any thoughts on this one? Uh, no, just terrible timing for Junis. Like I had actually written up, written him up pretty extensively in my fab article for HQ, like after, you know, and, and I didn't watch a start. Um, I was just kind of hoping that Junis would be able to make his next start. And, and it's rough, um, because it's like, yeah, San Francisco is getting a little bit thin, as you know, without, without Boyd, it sounds like Tony Disco is coming back pretty soon. Desclafani to, to kind of fill in for Junis, but um, they're getting pretty thin because Alex Cobb's kind of there, but how long is he going to be there? So it's kind of like Logan Webb rode on and Alex Wood, and Alex Wood hasn't even really been that great for them this year. So um, I'd be a little nervous, man. Be a little nervous since we just yeah, talked about LA and then yeah, they overachieved last year. So I think we're starting to see what should have taken place last year is taking place this year. And that was my biggest concern when the season started. I said, "Great pitching staff." It's also a great pitching staff that has tons of injury history in it. So, mm -hmm. like, it's going to be tough to make it. Like, if the pitching staff can last for six months, they're going to be there in the end. But I didn't have faith in that happening. So and We haven't we'll even talked it. about Rodon. Like, I mean, he's been healthy, but. It's not been pretty. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, not looking pretty, good. And how long, how long is he going to. How long is he going to go? So, yep, his IL stent's coming, folks. Just hate to break it to you. It's coming one way or another. Hopefully, it's just a figure it out IL stent, but we'll see. It's coming. 
The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, let's talk some positive news. Let's talk the weekend matchups coming up here. It was a fun segment last week. We'll get to our game. We'll recap that soon. Let's talk about some of the uh, the fun matchups we have coming up. We have four games uh, for the Washington Nationals uh, going up against the Philadelphia Phillies in Washington. So that's one you want to obviously take advantage of. You got games in Great American Small Park. You have games in Colorado. Uh, what stands out to you when you first look at the weekend action ahead? Yeah, you've also got four between uh, Seattle, and Seattle and, and yeah, the Angels. I think they have a doubleheader on Saturday. So. Yep. Um, lots of opportunities to get that fourth game. And we talked about that last week. Like that's why I picked, uh, but yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Hasteon Kim pick, which started out so great. And then kind of, fell. but, um, but racking up those extra games over an entire season makes, uh, a ton of sense. So any of those four game guys, if you've got fringe guys or bench guys that are on those teams, you want to get them in. Um, Cincinnati, you mentioned great American small park. Yeah. Those three games at home against, and what we just talked about that, that, that Brewers pitching staff, which used to be so vaunted, um, it's now going to be this weekend. It's going to be Eric Lauer, who again, has not been all that great lately. You've got the Seinfeld guy on Saturday, Alexander, and then <laughs> the you've Seinfeld got, uh, guy. I love it. <laughs> you've got Adrian Hauser on Sunday. So, um, I'm going all in on 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 the Reds this weekend. They have H H they have HQ's easiest matchup rating of any team, and that's even with the three games. The other uh, one that we have not mentioned yet that I really like because we already hinted or discussed how red hot the Atlanta Braves are. Now you get to go into Wrigley where it's been hot and just offensive bonanzas, and it doesn't help that the Cubs pitching is just bad. You got Thompson, Steele, and Hendricks this weekend. Mm-hmm. With that Atlanta offense, they rate out pretty well on the HQ um, matchups for the weekend. And I think it's another one where people go to the two four-game series. They go to Great American Small Park. They go to Colorado. I think Atlanta is another one you can have some fun with. Watch the weather. Make it even juicier. You saw what San Diego, of all teams, just did for three days in Chicago. Atlanta is, Captain Obvious here, much better than San Diego. So let's, uh, let's see how that one plays out. That's a fun, fun matchup as well. Yeah. Another one that catches my eye is Texas. Cause I got, I mean, a lot of the Atlanta guys are, are rostered except for yeah. our boy, Arcia, but like Texas probably has free agents on your wire. They get three at Detroit and it's, um, yeah. it's, it's Roni Garcia who I picked up for a two-step this week. So you definitely want to stream against that the way my, my pitching has been going. Um, but yeah, they get Roni Garcia. They get, they get Scooball on Friday, but then drew Hutchinson Saturday. So that's a pretty, um, 
pretty easy slate. The toughest slate, I think, of the of the week. And this is um this is easily HQ's hardest one is the White Sox. They go to they go at Houston and they have to face, let's see, they face Framber on Friday, Verlander Saturday, Christian Javier on Sunday. Like Ooh. that's brutal. Wow. Um, I mean, that's I'm not row. It is like, and I mean, I'm not like, I'm not benching Jose Abreu or anything like that, but any kind of fringe White Sox, I am, I'm looking elsewhere if I can at all this weekend. That's a, that's a brutal uh, weekend. Yeah, Pittsburgh's got a tough one against the Giants as well. That's not going to bode well, mm-hmm. even though we talked about how the Giants, uh, Pitching and team as a whole are kind of scuffling. You still got Rodon, Wood, and Cops. They face like the three of the three of the better options in that rotation. So that's a and it's Pittsburgh again. We don't say much. We might get O'Neill Cruz. We might not. The rumors every day it's a different rumor. Depends on the wind blows. Um, yeah. Lately, they just I, I quote tweeted it. I laughed when they said they're working on his pinch hitting skills in the minors so he could be ready to pinch hit in the bigs. I'm like, you guys are unbelievable about how you're holding him back. But uh, so keep an eye on that. That could be fun. But it's going to be uh, one of those weeks where. Um, weather's heating up, folks. The balls are flying, and we'll get into home runs here in a minute. But let's talk game. Let's talk game. So, do you want to recap our game from this past week? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I got, I got a we little. Split. Cocky. You can't even be mad. You we, can't we even split. get mad. I know, I, dude. I want to. I, I don't want to split. Sad all of a sudden. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't come here to split, man. I came here to. As they say, baseball's a long season. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, so I I picked Hussion Kim as my hitter. You picked Bryson Stott. And just as a reminder, we're doing, so this is over the weekend. This is for hitters, runs, RBIs, and hits. Just adding them all up. We've got the most. You you, you took me to town. Bryson Stott had that, I think, three-run homer uh, one of the nights. So had seven total uh, runs, RBIs, and hits. And Hussion Kim front-loaded his production. Three hits Friday night. I was feeling good. Uh, I was going to start talking trash. I decided not to, uh, which is probably good because Kim went over the rest of the weekend. And he was one of those guys who had that four-game weekend. So his last three games were uh, were brutal. So you took me on the hitter side, seven to four. Pitcher's side, I took Herman Marquez, and this is just strikeout. So, like, Marquez beat your boy Stripling six to four. What I will say, though, like, Stripling, man, that was a week for him. And that was a great call by you. I think he gave up one hit in each of his two starts last week. Didn't have a ton of strikeouts, but two wins. Ratios were elite. Um, I technically won with Marquez over Stripling. But if you're talking Roto and 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 five-category production, Stripling uh, takes the case. So well done last week, man. You too. You too. It's fun. It's a, it's a good little competition we have here. It kind of gives us something to dig in on. And let's talk about our hitters for the week. And I guess I'll start and I'll let, then I'll let you have your floor. But uh, you mentioned the Texas matchup. And this is why I went with one, Ezekiel Duran. And he slid in because what we're doing is uh, 12 team OCs, 50% or less rostered. He's 48% right now. And uh, this guy's been raking right since he's been called up. Uh, big numbers in the minor leagues. Uh, seven homers, seven steals in his action. He's been a, a little bit of power speed guy and batting average throughout the minors. Since he's been called up, he's hitting 326, two homers, two steals. Strikes out a lot, but uh, that doesn't matter because he just keeps hitting. I got a five-game hitting streak heading into the weekend. Uh, he gets on pretty well, scores. Like We're talking runs, hits, and RBIs. Uh, he's going to be – like if you just look at his last like three games, he's got four hits and two runs and two RBIs. Let's just do that this weekend, and I'll, I'll be in, in business in those great Detroit matchups, as you mentioned. So I will take Ezekiel Duran, who's your hitter. 
And yeah, that's I, I like it. And he definitely will not be 48% rostered no. in 12 teamers after this week. Um, just because of just because of the I mean, even just the, the Homer stolen base. I mean, two steals already, like, yeah, and Texas is gonna play him. So um I like that call. I went with another volume play. Uh Washington gets the four games, like we said, and so I'm going Caesar Hernandez. Uh, not the sexiest name, but I'm just trying to compile. Hernandez is hitting either first or second uh, most days in Washington's lineup. And over the last week has gone nine for 26. So that's 346 with, uh, well, one RBI, which that's Washington for you, as well as hitting yeah. near the top of the lineup and four runs scored. So I just think the volume is going to be there for Caesar. Like he makes good contact. Uh, obviously, the power's nothing to uh Right home about only two steals, two caught stealings this year. So, like from a fantasy, from a roto aspect, um, no, nothing special. But I think he's going to rack up uh, at least a few hits, and then maybe, maybe the Nationals can eke out eke out some runs against uh, uh, this weekend. So it's a smart volume play. Like it almost it almost made me take some other players that I wasn't as happy about. But now thinking back, one of us should have taken Orlando Garcia. We're, we're both going to regret that yeah. in a big way. I can see it coming now. He's going to have a monster weekend in Chicago and we're going to just regret all of that. So that'll be so much fun to recap next week. Uh, why don't you tell us who your pitcher is this week? Well, since you sniped me, uh, I was, I was, I was gracious enough to give you the first, uh, the first pitcher call and, we'll, and we'll pitching's talk horrible years, guys pitching's horrible it's it is um i i went back with mitch with mitch keller we're going full circle here uh keller was one of our we were a lot of people were um and it, it hasn't been great but keller at least in a couple starts he's made three starts since kind of going back to the bullpen he switched up his pitch mix a lot more sinkers like it hasn't been great he in his three starts he had he had his first start back was at la five k's but five walks struck out seven against detroit last time out or two times ago and then uh last time i was kind of a dud two k's at, at st louis so um I don't know. The, the the he at least has a pulse for strikeouts. He's not Dakota Hudson. He's not Kyle Hendricks. Um, so Mitch Keller is my pick. I I think uh, I, I think he'll probably get like five Ks. So we'll see if that uh, is enough to beat out your pick, which I'm I'm not totally confident in. A five Ks could do the trick if Coors Field takes its its toll. Because I'm going with Nick Martinez here, and it was strictly for the idea of strikeouts. Kind of you went with Marquez last week. Uh, Nick Martinez take obviously taking on Colorado in Coors Field. Face Colorado at home his last start five and two thirds nine strikeouts because the Rockies do like to strike out quite a bit. And um, you know he's got a almost 24% K rate, 12.2% swinging strike rate. When he's on, he strikes out a lot of guys. His problem is he starts walking dudes and giving up the long ball. That might not bode well in Coors Field. So. We'll see how it rolls for Nick Martinez. But if he can go like at least five in Coors, I think he can get you at least a K per inning. I, I feel pretty good about that. Gives me five plus K potential. And uh, I'll roll with that one. And the options we had this week, I will be honest, Mitch Keller was my second choice. So uh, we're, we're both going with the same guys. But uh, I don't know. I think Keller's got an interesting one because that Giants offense, man, Every time I see a lineup come out for that Giants offense, I, it, makes me, it makes me think of Major League and the guys doing the groundwork going, who the F are these guys? <laughs> um, it's just because, like, they, and, you know, they do it, they win, they make it work, but it's never pretty. And it's a it's a ragtag group that could strike out a ton of times. So it could be a fun one uh, with Keller versus Martinez. It could be a, a wild one indeed. 
I did pick up Martinez. I mean, I picked Martinez up in mixed labor, 15-teamer, uh, and I'm starting him this week. However, I did that under the thought that he was starting at Chicago, which at when Fab ran, uh, I kind of pulled like a Pilkington. Uh, when Fab ran, he was, he was probable at Chicago, and then I don't think there was like a delay or postponement or anything. I think he just got pushed back, and so he went from at Wrigley to um, – to at Coors, which which is a little bit of a downgrade, but like you said, if he can go five, like that's that is the thing with Coors is like you he could get run out in two three innings and just not get the K's that way. But um, if he can go five, I think I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, our buddy Rob DiPietro's in the chat. He's saying uh, he's worried about Keller's velo drop. His slider is traveling out of the zone, and his two seamers' job is to get called strikes, and it didn't. Um, he, he he's not optimistic. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Rob's a Rob's a smart man. Smart man. He always talking. Hey, smart yeah, people, no, so. those are those are facts. Facts only. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but appreciate the support, man. <laughs> hey, you just need strikeouts. You just need strikeouts. It's the Giants. Let's see what happens. All right, let's give the people what they want. Part of this episode, it's Bloom time. It's Bloom board time. Lots of fun stuff. You tweeted this board out the other day about home run per barrel percentage outliers. Why don't you give everybody a little rundown of what we're going to be breaking down for people? Yeah, so this is, uh, and this kind of has kind of evolved uh, the last day or so based on just a few comments and things from Twitter and that sort of thing. It's basically just wanted to look at homers versus barrels. And the thought process here is it's something that, you know, you don't need to go super, super stacky can figure out like a barrel is a, a pretty good measurement of skill. Like you're hitting a ball at an optimal exit velocity and an optimal launch angle that typically results or half the time uh, results in home runs. So the major league average right now is 53% um, homer to barrel rate. So your, your, your average is, is take kind of your homers or take your barrels, divide it by two roughly just as again just general simple rule of thumb and that's how many homers you might have expect to have uh, at this point in the season um and so we'll talk about some of the kind of outliers with that in a little bit but one of the things like no, nothing is that simple in baseball and that's i mean that's why it's a fun that's why it's such a fun game to play and um, there's just so much more nuance to just looking at Homer to barrel. One of the things that came back was, yeah, like ballpark is a huge thing. It, you know, there are a lot of guys that we'll talk about on the underperformer list at, in Detroit, Kansas city, Oakland, those are actually the lowest. So Detroit, and again, 53% is league average to, uh, Comerica park is 34% Homer to barrel. So only a third of barrels are actually leaving the park in Detroit, the best park for Homer to barrel is Cincinnati, which doesn't surprise. That's 80%. So um, that's, 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 that's pretty damn good. Um, Chicago. Yep, exactly. Uh, Wrigley's number two, which kind of surprised me, but they've had the wind blowing out a lot lately. Um, so they're at 66%. Um, so that's one thing. It's just, it's ballparks. And if, if anyone wants the full list, I can tweet that out and uh, send that out. The other thing too, is like when these, so not only is, where are these barrels being hit? Which park? When are these barrels being hit? We all know how down April was in terms of offense and how it's picked up a little bit in May. This kind of fleshes it out. I took the homer to barrel rate league-wide uh, by week so far this season. And every month in April, it was in the 40s. So 48% the first week, down to like 45% the third week. And then something changed, and we're now up to about 60 over the last something. few weeks. 
So <laughs> if you were hitting barrels, yeah, something. If you were hitting your barrels in April, you just kind of got a little bit unlucky because the ball wasn't what it is now. Weather was not as good as it is now and that sort of thing. So um, just a couple of kind of things that I put numbers to that are nuance wise with like something as simple as Homer to bow, right? There was also a really good article by Eno Saris um, in The Athletic about uh, pulled versus opposite field barrels and how much worse opposite field barrels are. Um, oh, mostly but due to side spin we were talking about golf on the on the front like i i hit it i want to hit a draw and i i typically hit a draw off the tee because it actually spins further and goes further than a fade it's the same kind of thing with uh with barrels and where it hits so um again a lot of nuance a lot of context which is which is just really fun to kind of dig into but at its at its kind of general if you just want to take a general kind of range of what you would expect from someone based on their raw skill and ability to barrel it up just take their barrels divided by two and that should more or less be what their home runs are at some guys have a lot less than that and and others have a lot more and that's what we'll uh kind of dive into next yeah it's it's a great stat like i think we talked about it in recent episodes i know toby and i talk about it a lot when we're trying especially in the preseason trying to evaluate guys were they lucky were they unlucky and we like to look at the home run per barrel rate. I think it's a, it's a really, really important thing because it's like some guys, wow, they they hit so many more home runs this year than in the years past. Well, how many barrels do they have? Like we, we look at guys that there's certain guys in baseball right now. We'll talk about them like have like four home runs in one barrel. Like there is so there's like th- at least three lucky home runs potentially. And it's just like certain things like that. But maybe they're pulled, like you said, and that, that's a big difference. Uh, one thing from Mino's article that people should go check out. Another thing he mentions on the opposite field thing it's been even worse this year because of the different baseballs and humidors that it's, it's, it's really taken a toll where when the ball was lively, it didn't matter where you hit the ball, it would still fly out. And that's one guy we're going to talk about here in a minute that um, really is getting hurt by the opposite field approach. So definitely something to think about. And that's why um, they say pulled fly balls are always great. And it's, there's no doubt about it. And that's why the pull hitter podcast with Rob G. Pietro makes so much sense. So uh, make sure you pull those baseballs. Um, let's talk about some of the guys that uh, aren't doing so well, the underperformers on here. And we'll start with uh, Cabrian Hayes. Let's start with Cabrian Hayes, who every season people are like, okay, this is he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's got like, you know, 2020 upside. He's got all this stuff. He's got two home runs with 11 or uh, two home runs with 11 barrels right now. So he's underperforming given Pittsburgh, not one of the better ballparks. They're the fifth worst mm-hmm. place to hit home runs. And, um, you know, the weather is not always great there. A lot of factors could come into play with Brian Hayes. So what's your thoughts on him? Because it's, it's one of those things where we look at we look at quality of contact metrics. We look at X stats. We look at things to try to be like, okay, you know, positive regression should be coming. But when he's playing in Pittsburgh, is positive regression coming? Like those are some things you got to calculate like you're talking about. So what's your thoughts on Brian Hayes? I actually think Hayes is a really good buy low opportunity. Like he he should have probably five or six homers. Um, like you said, Bubba, he does. He does play in Pittsburgh, which is that kind of fifth worst. They're at forty four percent homer to barrel as a park. Um, but Hayes is still hitting. He's hitting two seventy two. He's got seven bags. Like the 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 production is there. The speed is there. Uh, walk rates up. Strikeout rates the same exact thing as last year. And actually, exit velocity is up. His max EV, which I I, I, I like to look at um, is up over a mile an hour from last season. Barrel rates up like the, the actual raw skills for Brian Hayes are there with the with the with the better power, with the better 
plate patience and without um, sacrificing his strikeout rate. That's all really impressive stuff for someone who is still just 25 years old and in his second full MLB season. So um, Hayes is someone who's got a little bit shafted so far on the home riddle barrel rate. I think he'll be just fine, um, especially in the power department. I, th- I think we'll see an uptick in homers here soon, and he's still going to get you. It looks like he's going to get you uh, a, a very much above average uh, batting average, and he'll keep running. So I, I like Hayes a lot here um going into the second half and if i have to put one more positive spin on this um the three best ballparks to hit home runs in he plays a lot of road games nl central yep so that's something to keep in mind as well you know he's probably already played some but on a season that'd be 27 games in those three ballparks so let's just say he's probably got 18 to 20 more to go let's just for fun that can't hurt either so Keep that in That's mind. Interesting. That's actually something I could do uh, if I had the damn time. Um, it's kind of take everyone's schedules and say, okay, half their games in, you know, obviously their home park, but then other away games. You could you could calculate what each team's park homer to barrel will be the rest of the season. Like I actually think that might have value. So at um, least do it for I'm, an HQ article where you get paid for it. Don't. don't yeah. <laughs> I'm making a note to myself now, uh, but it might have to be. It might have to be speculator. It might have to yeah. be behind the. Uh, that's what I'm saying. The you great least, paywall. Of that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. So you yeah. got to get a little bit of a little bit of love for that when the wife goes. Why were you downstairs for three hours? Um, you you got to get something from that. Um, let's talk Andrew Benintendi. He's been a crazy one because last year um, he, he was very very productive. We saw him hit uh, 17 home runs, steal eight bags, hit 276. You know, I was even kind of enjoying the value of him in draft day. I know many people were. Two home runs on 11 barrels, but he's hitting 301. Strikeout rate's the lowest of his career right now. Um, you know, you mentioned the max EV. That's looking good. The one thing that stands out to me, Ryan, is he's usually like a 35 to 40% pull guy, and he's a 28% pull guy this season. He's hitting the ball straight away a lot right now. That could have something to do with it, but do you have anything else on him? No, I don't have that much more on him. I'm definitely a little worried. Like he does have that that max EV, which is pretty good. Actually, a career high, under nine point eight. But that's again just one batted ball. Like the barrel rate, five percent is is pretty bad. Thirty eight percent hard hit rate isn't that all that great either. The biggest thing, and I I think it was Jeff Zimmerman to uh, to point this out, is the stolen bases. I mean, dude is yep. not even attempting. He's had plenty of opportunities, hitting three hundred with a ten percent walk rate zero stolen base attempts this season i think kansas city kind of put the put the kibosh on benintendi's green light because i i don't have the exact number but in the second half last year he was terrible on the base pass and that was kind of jeff's overall point why he was fading benintendi is i kind of thought we'd get 10 to 15 bags um, on a kansas city team where everyone kind of runs wild um, that's been the biggest thing for me is is zero stolen base attempts. So yeah, like that with the uh, the power outage, like he's looking like a completely empty batting average guy, which you know isn't like the worst thing in the world. I mean, hitting 300 has value. You're gonna get some runs in RBIs for that. Um, but two homers, zero steals, man, that's rough. Really rough, really, really rough. And like, I keep trying to like tell myself it's been over two and a half months into the season now. So I got to probably start, stop with this narrative. But, you know, there's certain teams I feel like, you know, when a team's clicking, a lot of the Braves, everyone's clicking. Um, The Royals for like the first month of the season, they all stunk, all of them. And they're starting to kind of get it going, but it's not consistent. That's probably not the answer to this this situation. But 
and there's something to that too. Like it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden they put one good month together and Benny hits like six home runs and steals like four bases. Like I, I could see something like that happening, but that's probably the 90th percentile outcome. So don't get too, too excited it's, it's on that. The, one. It's the, it's the Bob. I, I was just researching this this week, just randomly. It was the Bobby Witt effect, man. Yep. Bobby Witt, two sixteen. No homers, four steals in April. Since then, uh, eight homers, six steals. He's been a absolute beast. Yep, he's been awesome. Not on the uh, homer to barrel list, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about a name that a lot of people that don't play in probably fifteen team leagues, maybe some twelves, uh, know about, but less than that probably don't. And that's Christian Betancourt, and this is a fun yeah. one because in like deeper formats, two catcher leagues, people were, were speculating on him probably like a month or so ago. Like he's going to play a lot, first base eligibility, catcher's eligibility. He's got four home runs and more importantly, four steals Mm -hmm. so far this season, which is pretty crazy. He's not striking out a ton. And you look at that quality of contact metrics, Ryan, that the max EV, the barrel weight, the hard hit, everything is jumping off the page. I just wanted to bring him up for like, obviously give your, your thoughts on this, but if he's available in leagues, like this is a dude that's kind of got that William Contreras feel to him, but he runs. So this is a fun one. Exactly. And he probably it just because Betancourt's not, I think he was like a former pitcher. Um, he's not a name. Yep. And he was kind of the flavor of the week in 15 team fabs like just last week. So um, if you're in like a 12 team or even in a one catcher league, like Betancourt is definitely someone who you want to grab just because like, I mean, for all the reasons, Bubba, that you mentioned, like um, he's been unlucky with the homers. I know Oakland is. So Oakland is the second worst park for homer to barrel 41 percent um but betancourt's at 25 percent. so like that the hard contact is there and like you said he's running he's playing every day he and i mean every day because he can play first base as well and has played a little bit of first for oakland on a team that is just gonna let him play so um betancourt is uh, i wouldn't be surprised honestly if he's like a top 10 catcher rest of season um, yep. especially if that if any semblance of that uh, speed game continues. He's a, he, I think he's a must grab again, probably snatched in your 15 teamers last week. Um, but in shallower leagues, you want to, you want to grab him. Yeah, definitely. He's one of those guys that people gave me a hard time when I said, um, cause I like to get at least one good catcher sometimes too, just to like, I don't have to worry about it, but this is one of those years where it seems every week there's like one or two guys you could stream catchers been right saying now, this. Yep. and it works. And it's just one of those deals that, Will it work next year? Who knows? Like it's one of those things, but uh, it makes it, it's an interesting philosophy. That's for sure. Um, Freddie Freeman, the one everybody wants to talk about five home runs on 20 barrels, um, five home runs, six steals on a season. You look at his overall profile, like his quality contacts, pretty much in line with most of his career numbers, nothing too crazy. But uh, we talked about the opposite field stuff, Ryan. 35% oppo rate. Last year was 25, 29, 28, 25. That's his usual numbers. It doesn't seem like a big jump to some, but that's a big jump, especially when the ball changes. So um, what do you got on Freddie Freeman? Yeah, I mean, even even despite that, like that, that it's a really good point. Something I did not pick up, especially when because uh, um, I was not aware of the pulled versus opposite field thing with barrels. And um, since you mentioned that Freeman sat like that, that definitely does matter and is contributing um that said not not worried like one bit about freddie freeman the contacts i mean the skills are pretty much exactly where they've been um previous years so uh, i i mean we saw this last year with freddie freeman i make this example a lot but he was this bad last season um almost this deep into the season ended up hitting 300 with 31 homers um 
and already has those six deals. So like, I think the power is going to come back up. I mean, he's got the Freeman has the most barrels of anyone on this list with 20 barrels and just five homers. Like, even if a lot of them are opposite field, I expect that to, uh, to shoot up, especially because LA is the fifth friendliest ballpark for Homer to barrel at 59%. And there's Freeman at 25, like, the power outage or the power outage is over. The power is coming. I think. Yeah, it will. He'll get his. He'll get his. I was not too worried. And it gets warm down there, and that's why that ball flies out of LA. So um, people should be just fine. Before we move on to over performers, uh, do you have any other the underperformers you'd like to talk on here? Because you know Reyes has been hurt. Uh, Cooper's on the IL now. AJ Pollock's finally back. Bomb is doing what Bomb I always thought would do. Bomb, and um, you know, got Baez McMahon are killing me. But anybody here you'd like to discuss? I want to talk to Nick Gordon, uh, number one on the list. Uh, I had no idea Nick Gordon has twelve barrels on the season. When I tweeted this out. I mean that that is wild. That's that's more than a lot of what who we think are power hitters. It's probably uh, more I, than his teammate Luis Arias. I'm gonna look that up while you talk. Could <laughs> be more than the. Well, no, Minnesota's been pretty good as a team. Um, but when I tweeted this out, so I just kind of in, in one of the notes, I, at the time, I think Machado has had another barrel or two. But Nick Gordon had the same number of barrels as as Manny Machado. And wow. uh, it, it's just wow. it's crazy. Uh, the barrel rate for Nick Gordon is 12 percent. Like he's the strikeout rates at 23 percent, not walking a ton, but like one home run on uh 12 barrels is the lowest homer to bill rate in all of baseball uh for someone uh for anyone over 10 barrels um so that really jumped out to me just because i don't think of nick gordon as a power guy and he and he probably isn't like even this bill rate is probably over his head um but someone who again only has that one homer on the surface i if if he hits anywhere like he's been uh these last few weeks like that homer rate's going to tick back up. He's running a little bit, got three steals, hitting 254, which isn't going to hurt you. Um, Nick Gordon is someone who, like, I had no idea um, had been this good beneath the surface and just just not – the results are not there. But that's the quintessential by the skills, not the results. And uh, that, that one really jumped out to me. That's surprising. Very, very surprising. Yeah, Luis Arias, seven barrels on the season. So yeah. uh, he's got can't him t- Can't touch – cannot touch Nick Gordon. Nope, crazy stuff there. Let's talk some overachievers, uh, overperformers, I should say. Uh, I'm going to start with Brian Reynolds on the season. 11 home runs, 10 barrels. It's 110% rate. Uh, the overall season production was slow, but in the past month, since May 17th, he's hitting 320 with seven home runs and two stolen bases. Of those seven home runs, only five barrels. So he's overachieving in that sense as well. And one of the funny things is we talked about Brian Hayes' home ballpark. Hayes breaked people. That's Brian Reynolds' home ballpark as well. Now, I guess we could really get down to the brass tacks of it. Is it a left? Is it a right field ballpark? Is it a left field ballpark? I'd imagine. I'm pretty sure left field's a little more spacious in a PNC. But um, what's your thoughts on Brian Reynolds? Who some people were ready to like almost give up on at one point in time, and now he's back to looking like Brian Reynolds. Yeah, uh, a lot of it was yeah that brutal April 194 in April, two homers and 72 at bat. So like yeah, he's got nine homers since. May 1st, but uh, the barrel rate is not there for him. A lot of the metrics on HQ, I use at HQ, we call it XPX, which is basically barrel rate before barrel rate was a thing. Uh, this is probably 10-year-old metric, but it's it's really tried and true. It just looks at your um, 
hard hit line drives and hard hit fly balls, which in this stat cast age is, uh, is a barrel. And Brian Reynolds, even in his hot streak since May, has been well below average, uh, league average. He's got like a 82 XPX, and league average is always 100. So he's 82% um, of league average, which is not that great. So I, I'm actually kind of worried about Brian Reynolds despite the hot streak. I think if you're in a trading league, um, you pump up how great he has been over this last uh, month and a half, and I, I'm trying to sell high. As someone who had a lot of... Uh, Brian Reynolds last year. Thank him for his service, but I think uh, I, I think this this hot streak is just that, just a streak. The only uh, devil's advocate thing I'll bring up here is I think he might get traded, and that could get interesting if he goes to a certain team or ballpark. So that would so help. Keep in mind. But, that would help because, uh, like, how tough he, is it yeah. to play in Pittsburgh every day if you're him? Like, you're you're yeah. the man. You're on a team going nowhere. That that will help. Yeah, that'll help a ton. Jose Altuve, 12 home runs, 12 barrels. For those doing math at home, it's 100%. Um, he also has a 53% pull rate, and he's got the Crawford boxes in Houston. So uh, he's got the Alex Bregman syndrome going on. Uh, what's your thoughts on Altuve? Yeah, that's probably the most obvious example of yeah. like why context is needed, because even though he does show up on this board, uh, yeah, the pulled, the pulled fly balls with the Crawford boxes in that park, like you actually expect um, – Jose Altuve to uh, to actually hit four power. I mean, he had 31 homers last year. Actually, has a higher barrel rate this year than he had last year on that 31 homer season, and is on pace to uh, basically meet that again. So, I would not be surprised at all if uh, Jose Altuve hits 30 homers again, which um, sounded crazy five or six years ago. But I'm not too worried about him showing up on this list. Yeah, here's here's a fun one because I'm not worried about this at all. But Jose Ramirez, 16 home runs on 17 yeah. barrels. And the he's just awesome. He's absolutely amazing, but he's maximizing his productivity. Let's put it that way. No, no JRM slander allowed on no. the pod. Um, dude is amazing. Yes, he shows up on the list, but uh, what are you going to do about it? You're not yeah. trading this guy. I mean, 16 homers, 11 steals, 6% K rate, 13% walk rate. Like, that's crazy. It's insane. It's Tony Gwynn stuff for those uh, old yeah. enough to remember. Yeah, like that's I mean, that's unbelievable. So you can you can nitpick and this and that, like maybe the power won't maybe he won't hit 36 homers again, but he'll probably hit 30 and get you 25 bags and hit 300 and and do exactly what you wanted him to do as a top five pick. So uh, salute to J-Ram despite his uh, despite his showing on this list. He's making me feel really good when I said I wanted Trey and J-Ram 1-2. So it's uh, so far so good in that regard. But the dude's awesome. I, part of me wants him to stay in Cleveland so he can just kind of keep flying under the radar and doing this. But part of me wants him to go, like, contend somewhere. So we'll see how that one plays out. He likes Cleveland. I think he's, he does. he's there. He, he just does. signed a contract. So uh, Mookie Betts, after that, uh, you know, his hip was hurting. He stinks session to start the season. 17 mm -hmm. homers and 19 barrels. You're not worried about him. George Springer, 12 homers and 14 barrels. Anything on those two guys? Not worried about either one. Got got have both of those guys on my main event team, actually, and have a ton Ooh. of George Springer. Mookie, so, nice. um, yeah, that is <laughs> that is nice. Mookie, I think I had, like, the 13th pick, and I took Mookie and started with Mookie and Trout, and Springer fell to, like, the sixth round, I got Alcantara in the fourth round. You think oh, I'd be winning man. the league? I was about to say, where are you, where are you getting the standings on this one, Ryan? Uh, fifth, which is good. Like, I, 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 I don't want to poo poo. Like, I'm in the upper third. Um, I've had a, a, a some some equally bad picks, 
but that core has been pretty, pretty great for me. So no, not worried at all about Mookie or Springer. Here's a wild one for you. Randall Gritchick, who's been just a yeah, power machine just, throughout yep. his career in Colorado, which not a top five barrel ballpark, which people are starting people are starting to get wise to the fact that it's a Babbitt ballpark, not so mm-hmm. much a home run ballpark, which is good to see. People are, are noticing that. Um, but five home runs on four barrels, his barrel rate this year. I look at it, 3% barrel rate for um Gritchick. Hard hit rate's still there, so that's not bad, but it's been really rough. And again, his pull rate, if you just look at that right now, it's 28% this year, and it's usually in the 40% or higher range. So he's not comfortable, it looks like, in Colorado. It's the best I can say. What's your thoughts on him? I mean, I have no expl- – and I'm, I'm a big – I have been a big Randall Gritchick fan. And when he got moved to Colorado, I was like, giddy up. Let's yep. do this. Because I know I that was know our first show. That was our first show. Was yep, right that's that right. Train. It was yep. – that's right. The, yep. the premiere edition we had yep. that – yeah, that just broke. Um, and the re- I mean, the rig. Re- the big reason I was excited is because, yes, Coors isn't a power park, but Gritchick has just such elite power, had such elite power at the time that I didn't think the park would matter. And he was a little bit batting average challenge. And I thought Coors would just basically round out that package. And damn, um, I, I have no idea what is going on with Randall. Like This is the type of thing where... I just kind of speculate and say hidden injury. Like, is he hurt? Like, I mean, what else, what else could this possibly, maybe he just hates living in Denver. I, I don't know. Uh, Change of leagues. Like that's always hard, but, but yeah, a 3% barrel rate for Randall Gritchick. Like when I ran these numbers, that is absolutely the name um, that came out because not only is the power just, it's, it's not down, it's, it's gone. And the strikeout rate is up. Uh, a ton it was it was right at 21 percent in each of the last two seasons and that's jumped up to 28 percent so it's not like a change of approach thing where he's trying to make more contact and take advantage of 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 courses as a as a babbitt park it's just nothing like it's just really and he's only 30 years old like it's not an age thing um i truly have no explanation for it and this is someone who I'm going to have to eat because I was, I was pumping Randall Gritchick once the course trade happened and that, that playing time opened up and uh, it was a valid, valid yeah. statement. Um, I, I'm just purely speculating here because I have not dug into it. I don't even know if you can find the actual metric for this, but uh, when you look at his strikeout rate going up the way you said it is, when you see the pull rate drops so dramatically, it means he's behind on pitches, which usually is a confidence thing. If you're turning on stuff right away, he's a, either injured or B, he just lost right now. Like he just, he's so lost in the plate. The hard part is a, a friend of mine. I know I'm asking for a friend. Um, just can't cut him. Just can't cut him because he plays half his games in Coors field and um, just knows how good he can be. Should this friend Ryan just cut Randall Gritchick or, or, or is he worth holding on to? I think at a 12, he's a cut. I, I just, I, I cannot, it's tough. I don't man. know. Yeah, you can't you can't have this in a 12. It's just yeah. it's and there's again like no like so I'm so one of the things I do and I do this for the forecaster um it's like actually the first thing I do when I get someone's box is I go right to uh Rotowire, shout out Rotowire and I go to the um news log and they've got a really cool feature where like any little injury they got a little red button and I just look for those red buttons and see when it happened, what was the injury? And for Gritchick, there's really not much. There's an April 16th, uh, missed three games with a tight back. Um, so maybe something there. We, I mean, we talked about backs with uh, Evaldi early on. 
maybe something's lingering there. But other than that, he missed a game to the illness and May 11th. Like I'm not seeing anything um, in terms of missed time or anything like that, where he's been hurt. So um, with no explanation with skills like this, I think he's, he's one of those guys where he's now like a core streamer where I still probably stream him in, in, in heavy cores weeks, but um, I'm probably cutting bait in 12s and maybe holding 15s, but probably not starting him that often, which probably means a cut there too. Yeah, I know my friend just starts him on weeks that he's playing in cores and benches on the other weeks, but uh, yeah, that might be a, a better spot to stash someone else, it sounds like. Um, anyone else on this list? You know, Matt Carpenter, I just can't believe anything I watch with that. It's all right, short portion, right, pretty much. Um, you got Garver, Luplo, Paredes, Rios back on the IL. Anybody else that uh, stands out to you worth discussing? Not really. The I mean, the other guy who at least stands out a little bit is is Mitch Garver um, with seven homers and, and seven barrels. So that doesn't mean like every single one of his barrels has been a homer. He probably has one or two homers that weren't barreled and then probably has a couple barrels that didn't uh, that didn't head out. Um, one thing I, I did write a, an article for HQ this week on what we call QBAB, which is quality of batted balls kind of a, a, a three-digit code for each hitter uh, based on exit velo, launch angle, and launch angle tightness, which is important. How consistently are you hitting the ball um, at your launch angle? And Garver stood out as someone who actually really made some gains over the last month. Like He was terrible in April, hit 177 with two homers and 62 at-bats. Um, started to pick it up and may hit 300 with four homers. Like that's again, as a catcher, um, that's really good. And then, and then he's been on COVID list for, I think a week now. So that was probably the worst possible timing. Um, so just someone who like, who kind of stands out as someone, yes, he makes the list with only the same number of barrels as Homer. So from that aspect, uh, probably overachieving a little bit, but just the uh, kind of the trend of that production, how bad he was in April. And then he's picked it up in May. Like when he comes back and he's healthy, wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, kind of get, kick it right back into gear. For sure. I like that a lot. All right, Ryan. Well, that's going to do it. We have no listener questions this week. That's a bummer, but uh, it's okay. We had a lot to talk about as always. Any final thoughts as we head into another week of action? Remember Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Mr. Bloomfield. Yeah. Um, we have you know, the U.S. Open, which I'm pumped for, and you know, got tons of baseball. Um, yeah, Stanley Cup for those that like playoff hockey, which is great. You have a uh, College World Series. You got a lot going on this weekend. So, uh, any final thoughts? I do I, I did mention my Hokies at the end of of last week, who unfortunately went down two to one to Oklahoma. Uh, they were the number four team in the country and couldn't get it done. So we're one win away from Omaha. Uh, did not go. So um, no, no other thoughts. Just uh, enjoy this weekend. Enjoy Father's Day for for the fathers out there. Um, to you, Bubba, for sure. Like we put so much time into into fantasy and this side gig that we all know and love. Um, but uh, it'll be good to spend some family time this weekend amidst all the. Uh, the craziness in sports that's going on as well. So um, should be a fun weekend and, and happy father's day, man. Yeah. You too. And Rob said, he's got a question for us. So he's typing it right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this is going to be. He It'll says, probably be something about Mitch Keller or he a says, you hitter. want a question. And yeah, well, it, it sounds like he's, he's fired up for this one. So yeah. He's got one. He's, he's stuck it out the entire show with us. So that's fun. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun father's day. I'm looking forward to it. Um, big day. We're going to the water park. Looking forward to it. Um, 
Father's Day is Sunday. He says, when will you do fab yeah. on Father's Day? Yeah, it'll That's be Saturday. I'm, I'm going to do Saturday night and then cross my fingers, basically. And if I luckily, it's not till seven o'clock our time. So I can kind of squeeze something in towards the end. Yeah, I'm a typically so I write the uh, I mentioned this earlier, but I write the fab column for HQ. And I typically write that during the day Friday and finish it up like Friday night. So I'm probably doing the Friday night thing. Get it out of the way Friday night. That means I will have to right. uh, to go back and and look at things on Sunday just because so much changes. But uh, but that'll be my plan of attack. We're going to the the aquarium on, nice. on Sundays. And uh, my my three year old went to the zoo for the first time this week and absolutely loved it. So it's we're the best uh, man. It's the best. Yeah, just seeing him light up. Right. I I wasn't able to go with him this week. I was at work, but uh, but seeing the pictures and the videos of him light up, looking at animals and riding trains and stuff. So. Uh, aquarium this weekend that'll be a blast i did that uh, last easter i think it was so enjoy that have fun we'll do this again next week everybody make sure you check out ryan on twitter at ryan bhq i am at bd and this was bub in the bloom episode 11 catch you guys next time